Welcome to the Do Something Beautiful podcast. I am your host, Leah Darrow, and this podcast is inspired by Saint Mother Teresa of Calcutta, who said to do something beautiful for God, do it with your life, do it every day, but whatever you do, do it. Today's podcast is going to talk about the beauty of empty. The beauty of empty is a topic that I am excited to talk about, and I'm also excited to talk about with one of my favorite people in the whole wide world. You have heard him before. He is a regular to podcast listeners, especially Catholic podcast listeners. It is Father Michael O'Loughlin. Hello, Leah. Hello, Father. Thank you for having me again. (laughs) Anytime. I think we should let people know very quickly here, just to give you a sense of what's going on. Because the last time we did a podcast, we were in Rome. Yes. And we were sitting down at a cafe and you had a German beer in Italy. (laughs) You're bringing me back. I missed that. (laughs) I had some wine. We had just experienced the canonization of Mother Teresa. And we were sitting down celebrating and we thought, you know, why not record and record our thoughts about the day? And so today we are in a much different place. <laughs> we're not in Rome. We're in St. Louis in my home. And we have locked ourselves into my kid's bedroom because it's the smallest room that we could get to have good podcast. I don't know. Uh, the ambiance is not the word I'm looking no. for. There's something about we're, something, we're looking for silence and uh, and something with good audio. So studio-esque. Who yeah. And. <laughs> So we're, we're in my kid's room. We are sitting down at a small circular green Ikea kid table. We're sitting on not even chairs. These are like little stools that you would see in preschool. And we're bending over to make sure that we're like our, our, our voices are going into the microphone. So if you're listening, I'll tell you something. This is a sacrifice. One of these times we're going to have like a studio experience <laughs> where we are, we look professional instead of. We look ridiculous right <laughs> we now. Look- we look like little frogs, like. Okay, are we close enough to the mic? Can you hear me okay? Anyway. My knees are up on my chin. Yeah. Right. And really, we are. I mean, I can't even tell you how, how real what we're talking about. And we actually have tea. So it's like a little tea party yes. while we stare at the toys and the window of my kids' room. Either way, I'm glad to have you back. Thank you. Um, back. And you you have your own podcast called Catholic Stuff You Should Know. Yep. Me and three of my best friends in the world. Check it out if you haven't already. We have a lot of fun and talk about Catholic stuff. And a lot of people have been very moved by what we've been able to do over the past going on seven years now. It's awesome. That's awesome. So yeah, Catholic stuff, you should know. Wonderful podcast. Most people know about it. I will say if you don't, though, please do go check them out. They're wonderful. So today we're going to talk about the beauty of empty. Obviously, as you know, you've been on this before. This podcast, Do Something Beautiful. The whole point is to talk about beautiful things and people that are truly doing beautiful things in the world or just beautiful concepts that we can add something intrinsic, something beautiful, something that's an attribute of God to the world to help us in our journey, you know, in our in our life and in our relationships. And something has struck me recently is this idea of the beauty of empty. Empty being how empty are we for the Lord? Yeah. You know, in a world where we can be so filled <laughs> with so many things and and it's even an expression I use in my work like, oh, my plate is just already getting pretty full or my plate is too full. I don't know if I can take on another project or other things like outside of even work of how much do we fill of our lives with noise and distraction or material things and stuff and, you know, clothes or stuff we can purchase and and all this stuff. Right. And it doesn't leave a lot of space. And it seems like the goal for most of us, even if it's not a goal, we just end up living this way that everything, every hour, every minute has to be filled. 
And if your calendar is not filled, what are you doing with your life? Right. It's like you're aimless or, but that's not what God is wanting from us. Absolutely. He wants space. Yes. He wants a, he wants emptiness in us so that he can fill us. But that's not, that seems to be a foreign concept to us. Yeah. Well, one thing I've, I've realized in my ministry is that it is, I feel like a good priest if my schedule is full. Like that, that's how I define I'm being a good priest as if, as if I've experienced too many lazy priests. I have not, I have actually experienced very few lazy priests, but there's still something in the culture, in my humanity that says busyness is better. I like popping my Google calendar up in front of people. And when they see it's just packed full of stuff, I feel like they would be impressed by that, which is the exact opposite of what should be the case. If they say, you know, Father, how much time do you spend praying a day? I should be saying, yes, the rest. That's what makes me a good priest Mm -hmm. is is, is the rest. But you're right. I love the title Beauty of Empty because it makes you stop and think, is that beautiful? I don't think most people who would hear that title, Beauty of Empty, that's not a stereotypically beautiful thing, which is actually why I love your podcast, Leah, Mm, because you, you. you, you, you bring, you identify things as truly beautiful that most of the time in our society and our humanity, we don't identify as beautiful. So I'm looking forward to this one because it is, it's going to make me stop and think. It's hopefully making everybody stop and think to say, is the empty, and we'll define what we mean about that, is the empty something that is beautiful? Mm-hmm. Exactly. So that's the goal. The goal today and what we're going to be talking about is the beauty of empty. And so I think one of the best ways to talk about this and to explain what we mean is by good examples. Yep. And so there's definitely a variety of them in the Bible and Holy Scripture that we're going to bring up. Some of my favorite. I talk about this woman all the time. If you know me, if you listen to my podcast, if you hear my talks, if you know anything about me, you know that there is, in particular, a few women in the Bible that I just, I mean, they are my girls. They're my girls, right? One of them is the woman at the well. Love, love, love her. Oh, man, I love her. She's so fantastic. So. In this great story of the woman at the well, we obviously know that she's going to the well to gather water. She's a Samaritan woman in the middle of the day. Yeah, the hottest part of the day. Right. So that right there tells us something. Here, I'll let you say it because you're a priest and yeah. you, should, you should inform us. <laughs> There's something wrong. The fact that she's there in the middle of the day, nobody in their right mind would go in the middle of the day. And so why is she there? Is, is there a mental instability? Is she really busy in the mornings? Whatever it is. And then we're not told that, but we can... We can infer from the fact if we knew that culture that you went in the morning, you needed water for the whole day. She literally went half the day without water and then came at the hottest part of the day, had to walk from her home to get water, bring it back in the hottest part of the day. There's obviously something wrong. And whenever our Lord, of course, tells stories and there's something in our mind that says, that's just not right. There's something about that parable that makes me stop and think or it scandalizes me or it gives me hope, whatever it might be. That's where the message is. So the woman most likely, the fathers tell us, scholars tell us, was there in the middle of the day because she wanted to be there alone. She wanted to go at the time when nobody else was there because she had lived a life, for whatever reason, lived a life that was uh, scandalous and people were gossiping about her. And so she she was avoiding five husbands. The man she's with now is not her husband, as Jesus tells her, because he's God and he can do this. There's something about her that is the she is most likely the topic of discussion among the people. They see her weakness. They see her sin. They gossip as we all do. We gossip to make ourselves feel better. And she's an easy target for this. So she's she's avoiding the tension of having to be there when the time that makes sense. The middle of the day makes no sense for multiple reasons because you have to go half the day without water and it's the hottest part of the day. And so she goes there and 
God finds her, God meets her at a time that doesn't make sense, at a time when she is living out or expressing her vulnerability, expressing her need for something to change, to regularize or to make her life better. And that's where God meets her. Right. So God meets her in the space of empty. Yeah. I mean, her water jar is actually literally empty. She's going to go fill it. Her heart is empty. We know that the five husbands that she had before aren't her husband as Jesus encounters her and they begin to talk. Her heart is empty. She's searching for love. She's searching for acceptance. She wants identity. Totally unfulfilled. Yeah. And although she keeps filling herself with worldly desires, she's coming up empty. Yeah. Coming up empty. And so even coming in the middle of the day, as you said, she clearly doesn't have any friends. The women in the village are not people that... They they obviously don't want to befriend her and they think, you know, she's a sinful woman. I guess you can just assume those things, yeah. which is I just did a podcast on friendship with Sarah Kroger mm. re- recently, too. So I wish that those women in that village would have heard that. Yeah. But um, <laughs> women up, women. Yeah. exactly. <laughs> like, come on, look at yourself in the mirror. We're all sinners, man. But so she she she's she's there with a huge need for her heart and her life to be filled. Yeah. She definitely knows what it is to be in need. And she's empty. Christ speaks to her. and not just speaks to her. I mean, he's, he fills her with life. He fills her with hope. Like he's able to talk to her and be like, I know, I know what you need. And she's experienced that emptiness of the world being filled and filled with the world that she is at least aware of her need. She's aware that she needs something and she's listening to Christ. And, you know, he tells her, you know, all things about her. And in turn, she takes this. And I, I love this. I love this part. She takes this, this new lease on life, right? Her heart's been converted and changed. She has truth spoken to her and she goes back to the village to share that truth with others. I mean, talk about bravery. You talk about somebody who, 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 as we just mentioned, she's going to the well in the middle of the day because nobody, she doesn't want to be around anybody. She's avoiding. She's avoiding everybody. And then she goes to like basic, I can just see her going to like the center square of all of where all the people are and be like, hey, listen. I'm the one you're talking about. Exactly. (laughs) But guess what? And this is a Samaritan town. This is not a Jewish town. This They have broken away from Israel, all these things going on. They're, and, and she's like, look, I have met a man that has told me all about me. Could yeah. this be the Messiah? One of the most beautiful things I like about that is that she, when she says, I met a man who's told me everything I ever did. She's literally identifying her entire being with her sin. Because all he did was point out, you've had five husbands. and The one you're with now is not your husband. He didn't tell her everything about her. He told her he identified her sin. And she identifies with her sin enough to say, he told me everything I ever did. So literally her five failed marriages, if we want to say that, her living in sin now she says, that's everything I ever did. She identifies herself with the negative. And so she, when she says that, she is, is being vulnerable with the people that she used to avoid because she was so vulnerable. She was so weak. And now all of a sudden, she is proclaiming her vulnerability from the rooftop. She's proclaiming what will become a beautiful empty to the rooftops and saying, this has now been filled. My empty became beautiful. And she, and she, she, she's like doing this like public confession saying, yeah. listen, all that you're gossiping about me. Yes. Yeah, exactly. it is true. Exactly. And he knows, and this stranger told me, but, and it, it gives her that bravery, but Christ, not just identified her sins, Christ identified her emptiness. Yeah. Yeah. He touched and said, you are not your sin, 
but you are searching for something that only I can fill. Yeah. She becomes the jar that she abandoned. Mm -hmm. She abandoned the jar that she was going to fill with water. She left it at the well. She became the empty vessel. Christ filled her up with the living water that is himself that he promised. My scripture professor in seminary, I know that there's some history to this too. There's precedent to it. Said that when he said the man you're with now is not your husband, he meant himself. The man you're literally with right now in this spot is not your husband. And she's saying pretty much, but he should be. In other words, the the intimacy of the life-giving spring, the spring that does not run out, that he offers it shall be filled with these. He's saying, you have been unfulfilled. You you have found false fulfillment or you've convinced yourself you're fulfilled by all these five things, by these five husbands, whether they're men or those are images or, or you know, of other things. That she's, she's tried over and over and over again to be fulfilled like the empty jar she's carrying. She abandons that one when she's found finally the one that will fill her. And so she leaves the jar because now she is the jar that has been, instead of walking home with a jar full of water, she's walking back to the town with a jar full of Christ, which is herself. She is the vessel. New life. Ah, that's awesome. Yeah. It makes you excited. It does. It makes me excited. It makes me so excited. I love this one. I want to be her. I pray to God. I pray Mm -hmm. to God that when I die, he takes me to heaven. I pray to God that I can go and uh, (laughs) that I make it. And that I can, I, I, just, I want to meet her. I want to talk yeah. to her. I just want to be like, I just love you so much. <laughs> I just love you so much. Like, thank you for the inspiration you've given me in my life yeah. to be brave enough to say I'm broken. Yeah. But I'm redeemed. Yeah. You know, that is such a beauty. It's such a statement. And I'm so thankful to God in my own life that he's given me the grace and the courage to admit that. Because, yeah. and not just, I'm talking about like, I'm not talking about like my public speaking, but in my own personal life, my day to day, for me to admit, thank you, God, for my life. Thank you for my my new life and you that I don't have to live that way anymore. Mm-hmm. And that I can live a life filled with you. And that beauty of being empty for for the Lord rather than me. I was so empty before my conversion, but I was empty because I refused to be filled with Christ. And I just continued to fill myself with the world. And it only drew me into a void of darkness. Yeah. And so the woman at the well brings me constant. She's a constant wellspring of hope and, and, and mercy for me. I love that story. And talking about the beauty of empty, there's another story where, where it's a little bit different. So talking about the rich young man. Okay. So the rich young man, I mean, I'll, I'll once again, since you're the priest, I guess I'll let you give, I'll, I'll, I'll lend to you for the scripture pieces. So set up the stage for us for the rich young man and the beauty of empty. So this rich young man, and there's different versions of the same story and they all kind of bring to light different aspects. But this is a man who approached Jesus in one sense, being appearing to be full. He was rich, so he had money. He was young, so he had youth. You know, he was a ruler. So, I mean, he had power. The things he had, he seemed by everyone else to be full, whether he thought that or not. There's different examples in the scripture, but he approaches Jesus, obviously feeling a lack. There's something lacking. What must I do to inherit everlasting life? He might've been boasting about it to say, Hoping Jesus would say, well, nothing. You're rich. You're young. You're, you're a good. ruler. You followed all these commandments since you were young, as the young man says. So he's either there to boast, which which reveals an emptiness he has not yet identified, or he identifies an emptiness, a, a lack. And though he goes to Jesus to say, maybe you can fulfill this lack because I seem to have everything else I need. So unlike the Samaritan woman at the well, who goes there knowing there's an emptiness and a lack, he goes to Christ seeming to most people at least to be already full. Christ then identifies the need for emptiness and the empty that is truly there. 
give everything you have to the poor and come and follow me. In other words, I hear I am offering you the true fulfillment and something in the young man does not allow him to accept that invitation, whether it's a he doesn't yet want to identify the empty or he knows it's there, but he's not ready for it yet. But he goes away sad. Something about the sadness is the is whatever. I mean, we've all experienced sadness and sometimes the sadness is I know what I need to do, but I can't do it. Sometimes the sadness is I can do, it, but I don't want to do it. Whatever it is, he walks away sad. He walks away unfulfilled because he could not, whether it's because he was he thought he was already fulfilled or this was an aspect of the the purging of what he already was filled with that he just could not at this time do. Again, you and I were chatting earlier. We just have an immense hope that at some point he came back. We right. don't want the story to end sad, but it does. In the Bible, it ends sad. It ends frustratingly. It ends in a way that we say, as much as I want to be like the Samaritan woman in that story, I do not want to be like the rich young ruler. As odd as that says, I do not want to be like the sinful Samaritan woman. I want to be like her. I do not want to be like the rich young ruler, which is completely counterproductive, uh, not no, um, counterintuitive no. to our humanity. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the rich young man, we all experience that though. It's so funny how like we can look at these stories, real stories in the Bible, real people, and just think, oh, and we don't, you know, that that's that's a nice story, but never take those lessons into our own life. But how often is God so clearly giving us the way for us to experience more of him and how to be filled more of with Christ? But we just, it's too hard. Or if I really do what God wants me to do, somebody's going to be upset with me. Someone will be mad at me. I'll have to break up with him or her. I'll have to change jobs or I'll have to reach out and talk to that person and it'll be uncomfortable. I'll have to admit that I'm wrong. I'll have to owe money, whatever it might be. And we know the right thing. And then we turn and we walk away sad because we've been too filled up with uh, our own, you know, false humility and pride or, or, or stuff or whatever it might be that could keep us in a place of experiencing what Christ wants us, which yeah. is that beauty of empty. Yeah. It's the, the devil knows that we desire to be, the devil knows we're empty. The devil knows that we desire to be filled or that we were created to be filled with the, I created to be filled by Christ and be fulfilled in Christ and to unify ourselves with him. And the devil knows that. So he convinces us that he is the answer and everything about our lives are the answer. And all these things that we, we always seem to try to fill ourselves with because they're quick and they're easy and they, they, they seem to be fulfilling. And, and that it's a false conviction. It is just not true. Right. And so I, and sometimes the goal sometimes in our life is just to fill our lives with stuff. It doesn't matter what it is, but if you're busy, if your life is full, then you must be doing fine. Yeah. So, and that's, it's a, an amazing, stupid tactic of the devil of yeah. like, okay, fine. You were made to be filled right. with Christ but I'm just going to fill you with anything so that you can forget or be distracted of what Christ is calling you to. So I'll fill you up, but you're going to be sick to your stomach. You want to show up to your 10 year high school and, you know, reunion saying, Oh, my life is so full. I am doing this. I'm doing this. And I'm busy with this. And I'm this so successful in this way. We want to show people that success means I am filled, but it's actually the Christian way and the paradox that is Christianity doesn't make sense to the world. If I could walk to my 10, 25 year high school anniversary, whatever it is, the reunion and say, 
there's so much I want. Like I'm, I'm lacking so much. I'm so empty, but therefore have so much potential. We don't see emptiness as potential. In the woman, though, the Samaritan woman, emptiness is her potential. In the rich young ruler, the lack of emptiness is his downfall. And so the potential and the hope of true emptiness is what I think these stories, these great Christians, before they even knew they were Christian, right? The great stories, what they have is it's counterintuitive. I should I should boast of my emptiness and my desires, my urgency, rather than the fact that everything is going well and fulfilled, because it's not. If I think that it is, then I, I'm missing part of the Christianity that is pilgrimage, that is the need for movement, and then the end is still coming. I'm still, I'm not yet content in mm-hmm. my Christianity. There's always more to experience. Mm, I love that. I love that. I so badly want to go back to that thought or that what what you just said previously and get on a soap soapbox. I'm I probably shouldn't, but when you said about like the high school reunion and yeah. my first thought is what are we doing? Like that's not the point of our lives is to go back and compare ourselves with yeah. others. And a lot of times though with our schedules and with our life in general, it's like I need to prove to somebody else that I'm worthy that I'm important, that I'm busy and busy means that you're important or busy means that, oh, well, you must have a lot going on or you must be making a lot of money or you must have an amazing job if you're that busy. And then I can just think, you know, as a woman, as a mom, the woman at a high school reunion says, oh, well, what, what are you doing? She's like, well, I'm a mother. I have, you know, four kids or, and they're looking at her being like, oh, is, is that all? Right. I'm like, what? I'm telling you something. I'm waiting for somebody to ask me that question because I'm like, oh, what do I do? I am raising humans. I am growing them. I am teaching them how to share. I am teaching them well. I am teaching them and growing them so that when they become 18 and start to do something outside of the home, that they don't become a cramp on our society and our systems. They can become productive people and they don't turn out to be ungrateful like you who would ask me a question like this. That's what... That's what I want to say to somebody. I'm like, just, just ask me. Just ask me what I do, man. Do it. Just, I'm waiting. Of course, I'm like the one person with the crazy eyes that they're like, we're not talking to her. <laughs> you know? But but I, I I bet you anything. Being a celibate priest, if you want to learn that you're empty, have a child. <laughs> oh my god, so <laughs> if, true. If you want to learn that you're lacking something and you're, you're in need of God's supernatural grace that cannot be attained on earth. Have a child and you'll understand from my experience of parents and my friendship with you, Leah. (laughs) Yes, it's so true. And every parent, if you're a parent who happens to be listening to this podcast, you know it's true. You know what I'm talking about. You know the fact that being a parent creates, whether you like it or you want it, it creates a space of empty in your life to where it has to be filled with God because you are going to lose your stuff. If it's not, you're going to lose it. (laughs) And it's a beautiful place. but. And it's a beautiful surrender. Yeah. And I think that's the beauty of empty is at some point you get to a place where you surrender your empty yeah, and you surrender it to Christ. And you say, you know what, Lord, <laughs> I've tried. I've tried so hard to fill it with other things and it's not working. And I surrender this space to you mm-hmm. because Christ won't just come in and throw open the doors into your heart or life. He'll ask permission. Yeah. And it's up to us to surrender that. You know, the rich young man from how it ended in the Gospels, he did not surrender it. He walked away sad. Clutching it, yeah. Yes. And you see the woman at the well who surrendered. She surrendered herself. She surrendered her empty. And that's what made the empty beautiful. Yeah. It's almost, the the image that just came to my head was that 
the woman at the well, you can imagine she's holding this container, this this jar that she was with the water. In, and when Christ offers her living water, she just kind of lets her arms drop and the jar falls out. Whereas the rich young ruler is just clutching so tightly to his wealth, to his youth, to his power. And then when Christ asks him to just let your arms go, just surrender this, he walks away sad because his, his clutch and his, his grasp is just too tight on these things. And we desire rest. When we're busy, we just want rest. When, when somebody asks me, like, what do you want the most? I was like, I want to be bored for a little bit. But that's because I have, I want to rest. Like, that's because it's not good things that I've, I've busied my life with. I, I, I've cluttered it up with things that are filling up that emptiness with unfulfilled. I'm probably on husband number two or three right now, to use the woman at the well as an example. I, I keep on saying, okay, now maybe let me try this to see if it's going to fill me up. I just need to unclutter that stuff, spend some time. I mean, the practical thing, spend some time in silence, live a life of asceticism, pray, fast, give alms, prayer and fasting. Fasting is, is, is a saying, I'm not fulfilled. If I'm not eating meat or whatever it is on a day in the business teacher's meat, dairy, wine, or oil, I am unfulfilled even in my food. I'm not eating the stuff I want to eat. And there's this, you know, yearning for, for whatever it is I'm fasting from. And that can become a great impetus, a great example, and a great identification of I should be wanting Christ more than I want whatever I'm fasting from. There's Girl Scout cookies or chocolate or, or coffee or things like this. So those things can help identify then the next thing in my, um, in my life that that's going to help right. to identify what is the true fulfillment of that empty. And that's the beauty of poverty, yes, right? So yes. poverty is that great teacher. Yep. It teaches us to know what it is to be in need. There's spiritual poverty. There's actual material poverty. But however we experience poverty and how we choose to experience it, hopefully spiritually as well, and hopefully even materially, you know, if we are in a place where we can, we have a roof over our head and we can buy our food mm-hmm. and cook our food because some people cannot. Some people don't have that option. Some people are homeless. Some people, you know, can't afford to buy food. But are we allowing a space in our life, even just because we can, doesn't mean we should, Mm -hmm. to experience, to know what it is to be in need. And I think for me as a parent, too, it's good for me to teach my kids what it feels like and what it is to live like a life of wanting, a life of need. Look at the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor. In other words, Mm -hmm. God can use our physical poverty. These are things we complain to God about. God, I'm poor. God, I'm mourning. God, I hunger and thirst. And we see those things as only negative, And they are in a sense. I mean, th- those things are evils in themselves. But but when we say, when Jesus says, blessed are the poor, he's saying the poor understand need. The poor understand emptiness. Blessed are those who mourn. If you've ever lost somebody, lost a child in miscarriage, lost an adult, a, a, an adult son or daughter, lost anybody, even a parent, like there's an emptiness there. That person filled something me and now I'm empty. I need money to fulfill the emptiness that is the desire. Look at Matthew 25. You know, Jesus says, you know, those who took care of the hungry, the thirsty, the strangers, the naked, the ill, the imprisoned, those are my brothers. And when, when you fed them, clothed them, that's when you fed me, you know, the judge and the sheep and the goats. That there, There's something about when God lets us experience lack, we need to say, what am I supposed to do with this? I'm supposed to say, he's letting me experience empty. And those emptinesses are kind of pointless. The emptiness of poverty, of mourning, those emptinesses are, they are supposed to point us to something else. We should not sit in those empty. We should say, if I'm experiencing emptiness here and God is letting me experience some sort of evil like mourning or poverty, then what is he trying to tell me? And what is he trying to offer me? He's a fulfillment 
of my hunger, my thirst. He's the fulfillment of my mourning. And if I can say, Lord, you've taught me a lesson through poverty and you've let my physical human poverty say you also have a spiritual poverty and that I can fulfill. And if that is fulfilled, then you won't care about the physical poverty anymore. You won't care about the mourning anymore because you're united with me. And even in a very real way, you're united with the person you lost. And isn't that, I mean, don't you think it's also the case when Christ allows these moments in our life to experience need, that he's allowing us to experience our participation in his life? Yeah, exactly. So he was needy. He was empty. What, yeah. And I just think also too of like, you know, the passion yeah. and during those really, I mean, I'm talking about like when you're in a time of real need where there is either physical or mental or emotional pain and loss and suffering. That's not just because God doesn't like you, but there's a need that we can experience and share in with Christ yeah. to help us, I don't know, love him more, serve him yeah. more and know him more. And well, I mean, it's actually, I think I've heard someone say, it's an honor to unite your sufferings and unite your need to the Lord. Because he's saying, I want you to be so close to me, to experience a little bit of what I've experienced, to know my heart in a very special way. Yeah, because Jesus was not empty. He had everything. He had the relationship with the Father and the Holy Spirit, that this was the divine Godhead. This was what is completely fulfilling. But he manifested empty to us to say, participate in this because I have great things in store for you. I want to give you myself. And in this world, you're not going to always identify that. You're going to want other things instead, but let me teach you how to want me more than these other things. Let me teach you how to to say, I am empty and this is a place I like being because poverty has taught me, the, the, the human need for things has taught me that I also have a divine need for God or a spiritual need for the divine, right? I, I need something and I, I'm going to ask every morning when I wake up, Lord, I'm lacking something. I am empty. And if I can, if God's going to use the evil of poverty or mourning or whatever else it is to teach me to have that prayer, Lord, I need something. I need you. I need to be fulfilled in a way that I've tried so many other things. It's almost like Adam in the garden, right? He named all the animals and none of them were fulfilling enough. Like he was kind of, God was waiting for him to say, this is unfulfilling. I need something else. And that's when he gave him Eve. that part. Of course, being a woman, I'm, yeah. I like the part, the fact of like, you know, God needed Adam to recognize yeah. that nothing was well suited to be his mate. Yeah. Nothing is going, nothing fits just right. Nothing's going to work. Nothing's going to hit your heart the way that a w woman does. Right. Yeah. And I love, of course, I have, I'm drinking a coffee mug <laughs> right now with the image from the Sistine Chapel that we were in Rome yeah. a few months ago yeah. on our pilgrimage. And it shows Michelangelo's painting, the creation of, of Adam and, you know, God leaning over and touching the finger of Adam as if putting life into him. Well, what I love about this is that when you see God up in the heavens here, as Michelangelo is painted underneath his arm, so he's got one arm extended, his right arm extended out, touching Adam's underneath his left arm, underneath it is Eve. And she's underneath and she's got her arm wrapped around his and she's waiting, yeah, waiting to be yeah. revealed, waiting to be given for Adam to recognize the need, his emptiness for his mate. I love that because I'm, I'm looking at it now and she, her face looks so confident. Like I'm a gift. That's I'm right. a gift. And she's like waiting for herself to be given. She's waiting for God's timing to say, oh, here's the gift. She knows she's a gift. And that's a beautiful thing that the look of confidence is beautiful. 
And but we're going to let you flail for a while. <laughs> we're going to let you, right. you try all the other things. And then all of a sudden you're saying, Lord, I need, I need something. You give me something. And then all of a sudden he goes, OK, here's the one you'll become one with. Here's your right. Wife. And there's and so in this picture, there's there's still this beauty of empty and Eve, too. Yeah, right. right? She's right. not united to Adam yet, yeah. but she is with God. Yeah. So she has that peaceful. She's filled with Christ. Yeah. It just, you know, peaceful longing. It yeah. is. And that's the gosh, just, that's another podcast we should yeah, do. That's nice. so good. But going back to that beauty of empty and the opportunities that God gives us in our life and poverty being one of the greatest teachers. And of course, with the Beatitudes of, of all different types of poverty, spiritual poverty, material poverty, but that we need to know that we have a need. Practical ways that we can do that in our life. Like you mentioned fasting before. Now, you're mm-hmm. obviously a Byzantine priest if yeah. people don't know that. So you mentioned a whole bunch of these Byzantine things that you fast on. Us Romans are like, I give up chocolate. <laughs> hey, I'm a, I'm a real strong Catholic yeah. over here. I give up Hershey's Kisses. But we, we, you guys give up a few other things. Yeah, we, we generally give up. Well, it, traditionally, it would be meat, dairy, alcohol, and oil or anything fried in oil. So what this was in the ancient church, it was any luxuries. Because, I mean, the, the, those were seen as luxuries, but... We as human beings, we desire luxury. So, and eating is so human. I mean, eating is something that's why the Christ calls it the heavenly banquet, right? We want this banquet where we can eat everything there is to eat. You, the banquet of a king was just everything you could ever want. So, when we fast, there's this like intentional fasting. What we're saying is, is I could have more, but I'm not going to because I don't want my body to think that I'm fulfilled. If my body says you're filled. You don't need anything else. And that's what luxurious eating is. When you sit back from the table Thanksgiving and you say, I don't need anything else. I am fully content right now. But our mind is saying, uh, but I'm not, right? I still need Christ. I, I'm still Especially on Especially when you say eh, dessert, though. And you're yeah, like, exactly. oh, well, I've got room for dessert. <laughs> yeah, I've got room for dessert. So that, that's what Jesus is saying, right? 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 After you try these other things and try to fill your life with these things, but you're when you do that, you're distracting yourself from who I am. And so there's this experience of when I fast, I am saying I am deliberately making my body realize the truth of my need for something else other mm-hmm. than just food. If my body is yearning for something, then I can say my mind is, my spirit is, my whole self, my whole human is yearning for something else. My whole humanity, my whole person is feeling empty. And that's what the beauty of fasting is it saying, even though my the church might be telling me, my spirit's telling me that I'm I'm looking forward to something else, I'm gonna allow my body to feel that way as well. These are all ways the church and Christ has given us to say, find let poverty be a teacher of empty, let the church be a revelation of what is hoped for. Christ says, I want to give you everything. I want to give you me, and I'm gonna let the church and your life teach you what you want. You might not know you want it, but I'm going to let your life and the church teach you what you should want because it really is the only thing that will fill that empty. That's good. I like that. Thank you. I like that. And you know, we don't fast enough. No, we don't understand it's beautiful. No, we we don't. We don't understand the beauty of fasting, which there you go. There you go. Another podcast. (laughs) podcast. (laughs) And we run from it. It's something that I know. So I know so many people I have no idea what it is, number one. Or like, oh, you mean I just can't eat meat or like on that one day right right before Lent or something and then I'm good? Like, oh my God, oh my God, you know? And trust me, I get it. I I used to be that person. But there is a beauty of fasting. There is a beauty of allowing ourselves to know what it feels like 
to be in need. Yeah. And especially here in the Western Hemisphere and the United States, the most affluent country in the universe, yeah. um, we have got so much stuff. And it's hard sometimes to really know what need is yeah. for many of us, not all of yeah. us. There's some of us that it's very, it's a daily thing. Yeah. But there are some of us, many of us that don't have the luxury yeah. of knowing what need yeah, is. Exactly. And there's a beauty to that emptiness. And so fasting is a practical way that we can incorporate that into our daily life. Fasting from food, obviously, or even fasting from material things. Yep. Like asking ourselves these questions of like, do I need this? Yeah. Do I really need this? Because yeah. there's a lot of other places that definitely need our time, talent, and money. I fast from music in the car or radio in the car every Lent because it's something that I've realized I've grown very attached to. And if I drive for 10 minutes and have no music in the car, I feel a lack. There's something missing right now. And I, my hand keeps on trying to turn on that radio. And I'm going, that's ridiculous. I mean, I'm addicted to it, but there's, I want to feel lack. I want to feel desire. I want to feel urgency. And just turning the radio off in the car as I drive lets my entire self feel what's wrong. There's something missing here. There's right. something missing. And that can be used to understand the zeal and the urgency for Christ, if rightly understood. Right. Because that emptiness, and I will tell you, if you're not somebody who has a lot of empty in your life for Christ and you're wanting to make room for him, so you need to empty yeah. yourself of some worldly things to give room for Christ to fill your heart and fill your life, that emptiness is going to be uncomfortable. Yeah. And I think it is in general you do get used to it and you become more at peace with that silence and that space. But in the beginning, it can be very uncomfortable to sit there almost and have like not your calendar be completely full or that space in the car where you're not having noise and distraction and you're giving actual time right. to something other than the world. If I'm anticipating a big meal, then I actually want to be empty. If I'm experiencing something wonderful and beautiful, so that that empty should say, this feels good because I know the fulfillment is coming. Mm -hmm. I know the fulfillment is coming. Yeah. Well, and you know what? That reminds me of like, if you're going to like Thanksgiving meal, you're like driving to your you know parents' house. You don't stop along the way and pig out at McDonald's right. before you go. To, yeah. you, you don't do, You're like, why would you ruin your <laughs> appetite with such crap food right. when you got a banquet in store for you? Yeah. And it's this idea of like, you know, when you get to a place, I think, and you come to know Christ and you know that he is all powerful and all changing and he does give you new life. You're like, you know what? Look, there's a lot. There's a lot coming. You just have to create a space, though. Yeah. And there's such good times in our in our life, you know, especially during the liturgical year with Advent or Lent, where we focus more on time of preparation before a big moment. Right. Where we can really start preparing our hearts. But this is something that we want to experience that beauty of empty really every day. And I think, you know, just to wrap up, I, my prayer at least is that for all of you listening to experience the beauty of empty, I really do with my whole heart. Number one, thank you for listening. God love you. Please pray for us. But I do pray that you, you can experience the beauty of empty in your life, that you can be more like the woman at the well rather than the rich man. And you can come to Christ and leave your jar, but walk away filled with him. Give your life some space. Take things off your plate. Create time and space of empty so that God can fill you and continue to fill you so that you may give more back to him, to the people that you love in your life and to the world. Because God desires empty so that he can prepare a place for himself in your heart. Amen. 
Amen. Absolutely. Amen. Thanks for being on the podcast, Father. This is a joy. It's an honor. Thank you. All right. We love you. God bless. Pray for us. And we'll talk to you later. 